This is blasphemy. This is madness. absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Embrace the madness that is the NFL playoffs. Back in Philadelphia for the first time in three years. We have a divisional game for the Philadelphia Eagles for the first time since 08. And we have a divisional home playoff game for the Eagles since the first time since that wonderful run back in 04, 05. Welcome into another episode of The Madness, everybody. I am your minister of madness, Rob Lange. But for an episode like this, one minister isn't enough. It's just not enough. So I had to bring in... A good Twitter friend of mine, we're actually meeting for the first time tonight, and that is my friend Lee Nelson, uh, Eagles reporter over at 4th and John Lee. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Glad you could come in. A lot, lot of fun stuff going on, so uh, it's good to finally have someone to look at and someone to talk to other than myself in, in the studio, so we'll, we'll have a lot of fun. We're going we're gonna to go, obviously, fully in-depth on the Eagles-Falcons matchup here on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we're, we'll talk a little bit about the divisional round, and this is going to be our my first official TSJ Madness mailbag. We have a ton of questions to get through, uh, plus we have a guest this week. We will have Jimmy Kemsky joining us, Eagles reporter, filling us in on what the team's feeling. A lot of talk around that locker room, Lee, about this team really buying into the idea that they're being disrespected and underdogs this week. I, I'm curious what he's got to say. I don't know about you. Yeah, <laughs> they're completely being disrespected. Everybody's picking them to lose. Um, Vegas, uh, like 78% of the money's on the Falcons on a three-and-a-half line right now. It's it's incredible. Yeah, and you, you've seen a lot of people tweeting that live down in Atlanta but might be rooting for the Eagles talking about all they're talking about is are they playing the Saints or Vikings next week. I think they're going to be a little surprised with the way I'm looking at this game as, as we talk about it. I mean, I don't know. I, I went into the playoffs. Falcons were who I wanted to see the Eagles get. It really was. Like, I, I knew people talked about Carolina, and I guess part of me said – they're not winning in New Orleans, so I'm not even worrying about them. Uh, but as as potent as that Falcons offense was a year ago, the fact is they haven't been this year. And they and we'll talk about their game in L.A., but I, I don't really think they showed me all that much outside of doing what you should do against the Rams, which is run the football. Yeah, uh, they lost Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers, and uh, they haven't been the same offense. Like Julio Jones is – He's killing it in yards still, but he had, right. what, three touchdowns this year? Yeah. Oh, I know. I had him in fantasy. Trust me. <laughs> I know all about Julio Jones. But we'll get to the Eagles. We'll get to the Falcons. But I think we want, we should talk a little bit about what happened in Wild Card Weekend. Pretty good weekend of football. I mean, I know, I know some people are going to talk about that Jacksonville-Buffalo game in a negative way. But even before that, let's go back to our old friend, Big Red. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's out there in Kansas City. And, you know, listen, I I, I – loved what he did. He, he gave us a great era of football in this town. There's no doubt about it. I thought he was here a few years too long, but he gave us a great era of football. But when I was out there, I went out there for the game this year, for the Eagles game, and we were walking out of the stadium. I, I said to somebody, I said, you know, hey, hell of a win. You guys are going to have a hell of a regular season. 
And I don't mean this in, in a jerk way, but Andy will not win you a Super Bowl. And they got all pissed off. I said, I'm telling you, something's going to happen in the playoffs. And it did. And and you were talking about it before we came on the air. So Yeah, that's just classic Andy. Stop running the ball. I, you know, it's one thing if it's not working. It's one thing if you're losing. But you're up 21-3 to at home in the playoffs. With the NFL's <laughs> leading rusher. With Kareem Hunt. <laughs> and he just said to himself, you know what? Nah. Now nah, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball. I got Alex Smith, who, you know, I know beginning of the year Alex Smith was playing above his head a little bit, but he came back down to earth during that little losing streak, and they still. I mean, what is it about this guy? Why can't why can't he do it? I I don't get it. He he lost his number one weapon first of all. He lost Travis Kelsey in this game. You would think he goes to Kareem Hunt. You would think he designs plays for Kareem Hunt to run the run the clock down, but. That's Andy being Andy. Yeah, instead he threw to the backup tight end four times. The guy just kept dropping passes. Like, it it, it was mind-boggling. I watched that entire second half. And I was, first of all, I didn't even realize that Kareem Hunt had touched the ball really in the second. What was it, five times after the first quarter? Six times after Six the first times after the first quarter. I, I don't understand why people want to constantly defend. Listen, I don't know about you. I can't put Andy in the great coach uh, category. I can't do it. Because time and time again, over 15 years here, I watched him do this. And he's doing the same things there. I mean, look, they haven't won a home playoff game at Arrowhead. Now, this isn't all him since Joe Montana was their quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean, and he was supposed to be the guy to get them over the hump. They haven't really got close to the hump yet. <laughs> no, not at all. And quite frankly, uh, I, I hate to say this, but I would have let Andy go after that performance. Well, I, you know, a lot of people, we, I put that in a group text with a bunch of friends of mine and my my cousin who actually went as Andy Reid for Halloween uh that was like so mad that I brought it up and I was like dude <laughs> I was like you why why can't, I I don't understand it's why can't we criticize Andy Reid why are we not allowed the fact of the matter is as great as it was there was still no parade down Broad Street in those 15 years nope. they were close quite a few times but every time there seemed to be a coach on the other side who got the best of Andy and Mike Malarkey Got the best of Andy. Mike Malarkey, whose job was on the line job, yeah. the whole year. I mean, damn, the guy thinks his job's still on the line. He was interviewed after the game. He said, I, I really don't know. I get no support, <laughs> is what he said. So you talk about, here's a team that is in turmoil, right? Everyone thought Tennessee would be probably a little better than they were. Tennessee, yeah. A lot of people, I, I thought they'd be 10-6, and 11-5. and five. I really did. I thought they were ready. Eric Decker, De, DeMarco Murray, Derek Henry. Yeah. Uh, Tajay Sharp was supposed to be a stud mm-hmm. this year. Uh, and uh, Delaney Walker, and it just it just didn't right. happen that way. Right, and then they limp into the playoffs. They're not even supposed to be the first half of the wild card game. People are tweeting left and right. This should be Baltimore. This should be anybody but them. Yeah. And they come back and beat you at a, in, in Arrowhead. <laughs> in Arrowhead. <laughs> Listen, I was there in week two. It wasn't even a playoff game. That place has one of the best home field advantages in the league. I mean, they are they are loud. They're an intense fan base. They're actually a pretty smart fan base. You know, they very, very nice people, like unbelievably, almost sickening how nice they are to you when you're there. Like, I like going somewhere where people are cursing at me and calling me all kinds of, you know, bad names and stuff like that. But I, I just, it just boggles my mind. But once again, Andy's home, not going to the Super Bowl. At least he doesn't have to wear a Hawaiian shirt or, or coaching the Pro Bowl like he had to do every year here. Uh, but the other AFC game was a little bit more interesting. And I know that there's things you want to talk about about that. But when you look at the Jacksonville-Buffalo game, it ended 10-3, right? 
10-3 final? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think I think it was 10-3. I mean, it was it was not good football. A lot of people call it the most boring game, but you took something else away from it. What was that? <laughs> Blake Bortles won a playoff game. Blake Bortles. And that gives me faith for Nick Foles because Nick Foles has arm talent. Blake Bortles has none. No, Blake Bortles had to do it with his feet. Not, <laughs> not something that he's actually accustomed to doing a lot of, but, I mean, if it wasn't for his running, they probably don't win that game. He had more rushing yards than passing yards and won. <laughs> I'm telling for some reason, I couldn't stop watching that game. I was so It was almost like when you see, like, a catastrophe happen and you can't take your eyes off of it, like you're just, like, drunk. That's what I felt. I was, felt like I was watching some sort of monumental disaster being played on that football field. I mean, and it was 10, now I think about 10-7 might have been the final, nope, right? it was 10-3. It was 10-3. Yep, Jesus. I got it up here. <laughs> so, I mean, but what are your thoughts? I mean, you're you're a football fan just like I am. I mean, when you watch that game, do you look at that and say, that's, that's not playoff football. That's just a week six game down in Jacksonville. It's too decent. Well, no, one extraordinary defense yeah. and another decent defense that – held a very mediocre quarterback to doing nothing besides running. Um, they didn't really use Leonard Fournette that much. Uh, they inactivated uh, TJ Yeldon, who he, he's decent out of the backfield. Fournette's not. And it paid off. Yeah. I, you know, this, this Jacksonville team continues to surprise. Now, I – and we'll do, we'll do predictions at the end of the show for the division round, but I – Listen, I know Jacksonville went into Pittsburgh earlier this year, and I, and I know they embarrassed them. I, I mean, I, I know they really embarrassed them, but I also know that Pittsburgh's a proud bunch of guys. I can't imagine they are going to allow Jacksonville to come in and do that again. And I don't think Blake Bortles is running anywhere <laughs> when it comes to Heinz Field. So I just wanted to touch a little bit on that game. Let's move to the NFC. You have New Orleans, you have Carolina playing again for the third time. It can be tough to beat a team three times in a season. Uh, but New Orleans, I mean, I know the game got close late, but I, I don't know. I th- This New Orleans team, in my opinion, is both offense, defense, quarterback, coaches, the best team in the NFC right now. And I, there was no way I saw them losing at home, you know, to Carolina. Yeah, uh, New Orleans has the best quarterback in the playoffs outside of Brady. Uh, they have two great running backs who put on a show the whole season. Uh, Michael Thomas had another great year. He's now the leading receiver uh, for the first two years of his career. Most catches or most yards, something like yeah. that. Uh, that that offense is just clicking. But Carolina did shut him down in the run game, which is really surprising. Uh, Kamara had 23 yards, and uh, Ingram had 22 yards. So, and, you know, and they because of that, they had a chance to win there at the end because as, as New Orleans was trying to – you know, run that clock out, became very challenging for him to do. And you saw Carolina have a chance. And, and you look you look at the way this game ends. First of all, I've, Sean Payton's a hell of a coach, no doubt about it. But I've always thought he had the he, – he always outthinks himself at mm-hmm. some point. Fourth down, late in that game, you're at your 50. Punt the ball, get them inside the 10-yard line. It, it makes more sense. He goes for it. He passes for it. All Carolina has to do is knock the ball down. All you got to do is just knock it down. That wasn't an interception. <laughs> I, I, I'll stand by that. Like, yeah. If you're judging by the NFL rules, right. he did not go well, all the way to that. the ground. Yes. That was not an interception. It was an interception. I don't know why he, the guy put himself in that situation. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's easy for us to sit here 
you're in the moment. The ball's coming at you. It's the playoffs. You're, you're, you're not – I don't know. you got to be a really smart guy to think knock it down. But that takes 20 yards away from you. Now – and the first play, they throw a 25-yard pass. I mean, it, it could have changed a lot. They that a 20 chance. yards. I mean, they really did have a chance. But I'm telling you, like I – I'm telling you right now, I think New Orleans has what it takes, especially if they can get the run game going. Now, I know Minnesota's defense is playing unbelievable. And they have all year. They've kind of flown under the radar because I think a lot of people are like me, and they've looked at Minnesota and said, ah, Case Keenum, how, mu- how much can they really do with Case Keenum? Well, when you're throwing short-scripted plays like that, you can do a lot with Case Keenum. He's not forced to make any tough, right, tough throws. He's got to just be the game manager, not turn the ball over. But he does. He has done more. I mean, I, I got to give him credit. But I just have this weird feeling that New Orleans has this, this edge to them this year. This, hey, Drew Brees is coming to the end type of Peyton Manning esque last couple years moment where we're, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to get there. And like you said, I know it didn't go well against Carolina, but Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara have been one of the most dynamic duos in a backfield. I'm trying to think, I mean, really, I, I don't know if I remember anybody like these two guys in the same backfield. Uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams? Yeah, like I mean. That, that boom and. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like Kamara, it pisses me off because I sit here and I look, okay, the Eagles drafted Nell Pumphrey and had a couple of chances at, at Kamara. What did he go, third round? Kamara went to think he went in the second. He did go in the second. So what? I, so it was that dreaded question where a lot of people said, do you pick Sidney Jones and wait a year, or do you, do you pick a running back? And hindsight, once again, we're, we're all great armchair quarterbacks, and hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, oh, we should have picked Kamar. No one was screaming that the day of the draft. People I were was saying, screaming for Kareem Hunt. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Yeah. I was oh, screaming a lot of people Hunt. wanted Hunt. A lot of people wanted Hunt. I was oh, screaming for the guy God. that ended up getting cut from Tampa. Who the hell did the guy from Boise State? Uh, uh, Jeremy McNichols. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, I wanted McNichols, and uh, he didn't even make the Buccaneers. <laughs> I think he's on the Niners practice Is that where he went? He went now? to their practice yeah. I, That guy still has a chance. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, but the end wildcard weekend, which will kind of segue us into the Eagles, was the Rams-Falcons. And, and I was very adamant. On, on Twitter that I believe the Falcons were going to not only cover the spread of that game but win it outright. I just I looked at the, I looked at experience and I thought, okay, this Rams team has been good. There's no doubt about that all year. But the Falcons were just here last year. There's not going to be any weather issue, right? You're there unless it was raining. It's going to be a nice warm day. It's not like oh a dome team coming in the 15 degree weather. And I knew that the Rams defense was ranked. 32nd, I think, against the run. And I said, and I said, you know, if they come out and try and bully the Rams, you can beat them. Mm-hmm. And they really did. Now, they didn't score a lot of points, but they bullied the Rams up and down the field all day. They ran all over them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they ran all over them. It was really, you know, the first half, they couldn't really get it going, but they stayed with it. Mm-hmm. You listening, Doug? Doug. <laughs> they stayed with it even when it didn't work. And then in the third, in the first drive of the second half, they literally just bullied them down the field. They got a field goal, but it was a nine-minute drive. It was like eight and a half minutes to start the third quarter. And it was at that point where I said they got no shot. Because as good as McVay has been this year, he did it against the Eagles too. He goes away from Gurley in these random moments. He gave him 14 carries. 14 ca- And Gurley still had 100 yards. Right. I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> It, it, it's the Andy Reid thing. It's, it, it's, it, there's, there is something with these NFL coaches where they just get in this mindset of, 
no, it's not going to work. I can't do it. But 14 carries for 100. Now, I'm not a math guy by any chance. That's a, that's a pretty good average. If you got 14 carries for over 100 yards, because everyone keeps saying, oh, well, the Falcons shut down Gurley. I said, no, they didn't. I said, McVay shut Gurley down for no reason. Yeah. For no, it wasn't like the game was out of hand. It was field goals all day. What was it? Uh, 13. 13-3 at the half, or, or not, I can't remember what it was. But it was I think it was 13-3, and they kicked two more, and then they scored a touchdown late. Uh, it was uh, 13-10 at half. 13-10. Okay, so it wasn't out. It's not like you had to go in and say, okay, we're we're two, three scores down. we got to really start throwing the, bas- the basketball. I'm, <laughs> I'm coaching basketball right now. My mind is all over the place. Let it go. <laughs> but uh, it's not like it was, hey, let's just get in here and uh, just throw the ball around. Just keep feeding Todd Gurley. He did it against the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, he did it against the Eagles because that was a game where I look back and I go, all right, the Eagles played well, but why did they stop giving the ball to Todd Gurley? It's going to make a difference. Yeah, it really does. So That's the MVP in my opinion. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> that's a great debate. And, you know, I've seen you put that up there, and I'm kind of in agreement with you, and I know that it's most likely – going to go to Brady because yeah. the MVP has become the best quarterback. I mean, it's so rare to see someone not in a quarterback position get it, which I hate. I hate it. It's almost like one of the – it's like the Heisman. Now it's like these awards have become so watered down because you don't actually give it to the most valuable player. You give it to, okay, Tom Brady's really good. He had a good season. He's the poster boy of the NFL. Let's give him the award again. Yep. Because, honestly, to me, it would be Gurley, Wentz, and then Brady. Even with Wentz missing three games, call me a homer, but look at the stats. <laughs> Wentz had more passing touchdowns. And look at the offense since he's been out, outside of the Giants game where you had a team that didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I hate the Patriots. I hate everything that is New England. I love that there might be turmoil there. Like, it makes me so happy to see that there's turmoil in New England, but now it's going to be Tom Brady's award. So, Let's kind of segue this into our, this week. And this this is what we want to talk about. This is what we're excited for. I know you'll be over there. I know I'll be over there. It's going to be an unbelievable environment. It's been, you know, I know three years ago when they played the Saints, it was loud and it was fun. But for some reason, there's a different feel. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it's the divisional round, not the wild card round. Maybe it's that this team has home field advantage. So the fans know, we all know, you win this week, first NFC championship on that field since – Philly, Atlanta, 2005. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, you, you look at this Atlanta team. What 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 is it that scares you about them? Nothing. <laughs> really, nothing. Uh, once they lost their offensive coordinator, that offense went a little bit downhill. Um, Julio Jones, obviously, is the, the second best wide receiver in football. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give it to him over Antonio Brown, no, but no. He, he's the second best wide receiver in football. Uh, Muhammad Sanu is... He's, he's a good number two. He, he's decent. Uh, Devontae Freeman and um, the other running back, Tevin Coleman, uh, they're pretty electric, but they really haven't been doing much this year. You, you, that's exactly the point. Why, when everyone, all the naysayers that say the Eagles don't have a chance, well, look at this Atlanta team. You know, they're coming back. They're, they're pissed off about last year. They went on the road and beat L.A. in L.A., and that's so hard to do, which – First of all, no, it's not. <laughs> they have no and and your boy, your boy E Rock, and all those guys were out there when the Eagles were out there. Yeah, there is not a Rams fan base contingent right now. I had one Rams fan. I was supposed to go out there, but mm-hmm. I, something happened. I didn't get to go. One of my buddies is a Rams fan. He went to a tailgate. 
and he was taking Snapchats the whole time. Nothing but Eagles fans everywhere. It, it was incredible to see. I, I'm really pissed at him. I know. <laughs> oh, it, it looked unbelievable out there. I mean, it was, and it was awesome to hear the chants throughout the game, hear the cheers, hear them getting loud when the Eagles were on defense, something that we've grown accustomed to with our fan base at road games. But, you know, let's let, let's be real. Atlanta didn't light the scoreboard up last week. No, they, they put up 26 they points. Up, and they really had 19 for three and a half quarters. They scored a touchdown there with, what, five minutes to go, six minutes to go to kind of put the game out of reach. And they really only did it because of two special teams turnovers that put them in the position to do it. Exactly. So, it, I mean, you know, so the recipe is don't give Atlanta short fields, first and foremost. Don't turn the ball over, which easier said than done, but really – if the Rams don't turn the ball over as bad as they play, they're probably they probably have a good shot to win that football game. Robert Woods put up 142 yards on that uh, Falcons defense. That was right. is getting talked up like it's elite. Well, yeah, people. What well, you know? Listen, the front four has played a hell of a lot better. That they, they've become very stingy. They get after the passer. They're stopping the run better than they were in the beginning of the year. There's no doubt. And and you look at guys. You look at Vic Beasley. You look at this Claiborne kid who's come on. They're, they're coming on at the right time, no no doubt about that. But someone wrote these fast, sticky corners of Atlanta. Not Now, I did not watch all 16 Atlanta games this year, but I saw them a fair amount. When you have the red zone, when they're playing national, you see these guys play. I don't look at them and say, oh, man, how are we ever going to get past these corners? No. And then I say, okay, you want to talk about, well, who's covering Zach Ertz on that team? I don't, Keanu Neal? Yeah, like I don't know if their linebacker, as, as good as they've been coming down and, and getting after ball carries and stuff, I don't know how good they are covering the tight ends. And I don't know, have they faced a, a Zach Ertz recently? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if there's been a guy out there that they faced. It. Ertz finally did what we've asked the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Ertz had that, hey, this is the time, this is what we're going to do. Um, so, I mean – I'm more. Let's. I'm not afraid of anything. If there's one group on that team, I'm a little bit cautious of. It's more the defense and the offense, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. So I feel too confident. <laughs> I feel. I, I'm almost afraid at how confident I feel because after the Raiders game, leaving that some Christmas night, I was. I was not confident. I, I walked out of that stadium. I, I said to myself. I just left my family to come watch this dreck on this field, and I don't know how the hell it's going to get better. Did you stay the whole time? I did. I didn't stay in my seats. <laughs> so so for, at the end of the half, I uh, I went up to get something to eat, and I said, it's too damn cold to go sit back down there. So I, me and my uncle have kind of formed this thing where we'll go up to the concourse at halftime, and depending on how the game's going, we'll either stay or go back to the seats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they were playing better. The defense was playing electric in the second half. So I said, I'm just going to stay here. And it was it was really funny to watch little by little the amount of people around me grow and grow. And then by the time Elliott kicks a game-winning field goal and then the fumble recovery for a touchdown, the whole stadium was in the concourse. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I just I look at this game and I don't, I don't have fear. And we'll, we'll talk about what the Eagles need to do to make sure that happens. Mm-hmm. But And we have Jimmy Kemsky coming off uh, probably within the next five minutes. From phillyvoice.com. I'm going to continue to get that right. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, what do you want to say? Let me ask you this. You look at this offense. They've had two weeks to prepare. Is Doug going to have something different for us to see? He better. <laughs> he, he better. He, he better learn from what Andy just did. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I want to see Ajay and uh, Clement getting more touches. I want to see the offense go through Zach Ertz. He's, he's the main target. He's the best pass-catching player on the team. And uh, if they're going to put eight in the box like they did against L.A., Alshon Jeffrey's going to have one-on-ones. Nelson Aguilar is going to have one-on-ones. Give them a shot. Throw the ball up. I mean, Nelson's not that big of a guy, but we've seen him jump through a roof, like the touchdown against the Giants a couple uh-huh. weeks ago. He can do it. Throw the ball up. Give him a chance. You heard nothing. All you heard during the uh, training camp was the catch radius of Alshon Jeffrey. Like that was the that was the sexy term all over. Alshon's catch radius. Uh, let's see the catch radius. I mean, Nick, Nick, you don't have to be that accurate to throw the ball up there and let Alshon go get. It. I mean, that's what he was. When you think about him in Chicago, that's what he was always good at was Desmond making Tru- these unbelievable catches. Desmond Trufant is not going to out jump Alshon Jeffrey. No. He's not going to out muscle him for a ball. Give them a chance. Give that, and really, I, I I look at this, and my biggest fear of this game has nothing to do with the Falcons. And this is where people tell me, "Oh, you're too hard on them." And I'm not, I'm not the zomp at this. Okay, <laughs> I'm not zomp on this. I, I don't hate Doug Peterson, but he is my biggest fear. And I just say that from because I think so much rides on the game plan. Obviously, you got to execute, but the game plan itself has to be different than what I've watched the last couple of weeks. Oh, for sure. And uh, I, I'm, I'm praying that he's just he had a vanilla offense mm-hmm. going in these last couple of weeks because he knew he was getting in the playoffs. I'm praying that he changes something up. And uh, I, Ajay hasn't seen the ball enough. Mm-hmm. We all know that. People were saying it's because of his knees. I don't believe that at all. Ajay was acquired for this playoff run. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was with Carson Wentz. But he was acquired for this exact reason. He's the last player to put up over 110 yards on the Falcons' defense. Mm-hmm. Give him a shot. It, 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 it's got to be him. You know, they said that they looked at things that Nick did uh, three years ago with Chip Kelly on film, and fine. But rem- that I, I'm stuck on this having to be in shotgun every every play. I just I, I don't know. I don't even know why it bothers me. But I would love for like. Five of the first 15 for them to have Nick on their center. I'm not even saying to run the ball every one of those plays, but put Nick on their center. And if you do run the ball, let guys like Ajayi and even Blunt. I mean, Blunt, I know he hasn't been great, but he knows what this is about. He's been here, and he's yeah. won championships, and, he, and he's won playoff games, and he's been a big part of those playoff games. Give that guy a full head of steam running downhill. Yeah, stop running him out of shotgun. Yeah, we've been saying that all year. That's Chip Kelly with Demarco Murray. It all really over is. Again. It really is. Even and worse. It, <laughs> yeah, because Demarco at least had a little, you know, a little bit of speed left to him. I mean, Blunt needs to get that full head of steam going before he yeah. can pick up any speed. I just, I, I look, I, I saw a stat get put out the other day, and I can't remember the exact stats, but it's something like when the Eagles have carried twenty-five plus times in a game, they're like, you know, eight and two, nine and two. I mean, it was, it was really good. When a team has rushed 25 or more times against the Falcons, they're one and six. What that tells me is, yeah, their their rush defense is good, but they can be worn down just like any team. Mm-hmm. But does I? But right now, I want to bring on from PhillyVoice.com. Eagles beat writer does one hell of a job covering this team, and that's Jimmy Kemsky. And Jim, give us some good news, man. How's the team feeling over there? Uh. I think they're okay. Um, I mean, they've kind of had to answer questions all week about um, 
you know, hey, do you guys know that you're the first number one seed that's an underdog <laughs> ever? And they're kind of tired of that crap, I think. So they've been listening to that all week, and I think they're maybe a little offended is probably the wrong word, but, you know, a little tired of hearing about it. And, um, you know, I think they think of themselves as a very good team, as they should. They're 13-3, and three, uh, 13 and 13-2 if you take out the meaning of the 17 game against the Cowboys. And um, it's a confident team. I think it's a prideful team. Obviously, with Nick Foles in there, they're nowhere near as good as they were as they were with Carson Wentz, and I think a lot of them kind of understand that as well. But at the same time, I do think they think of themselves as a very good team that that um, should win this game. Um, not sure I agree, but <laughs> I think that's kind of how they feel. We're talking with Jim Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Jim, you're on with Rob Lange and and Lee Nelson, and you know you you bring up how they're not the same team with Nick Foles. So when I look at that, I think Doug Peterson now has seen this for two weeks. How different do you expect this game plan to be come Saturday afternoon? Game, how 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 much different do I expect it to be from other Nick Foles starts or just um, you know, what we've seen for the bulk of the season? What, what we've seen from the bulk of the season. I think it's going to be different. <laughs> I think clearly it has to be different because he can't make the same throws that Carson Wentz can. Uh, he can't do a lot of the same things with his legs that Carson Wentz can. So, I mean, they can talk all they want about, you know, not changing the game plan all that much. But the reality is they have to make, they have, they have to give him easier throws. Now, they want his mentality to be to let it rip. But I think they're going to call plays where it's not going to call for that all that often. I think they obviously want to pound the run. Uh, it's not like they're going to run the ball, you know, 40 times like, <laughs> like some people think they should. You know, it's got to be a balance. So nobody's going to respect the run. But rather, nobody's nobody's gonna um, you know they you load up box and you're um, gonna be running into a brick wall and going three and out and punting all day if, if you try to pound the rock that much. But so you gotta have a balance. You, you gotta be able to to make to complete passes uh, to make the opposing defense respect the run. You gotta at least take shots down the field, whether they're complete or incomplete. Because if you don't, then you know again, like I said, they're, they're just gonna they're just gonna park their safeties you know five ten yards up on scrimmage and you're gonna be running into a brick wall all day. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they gotta, they, they have to, um, you know, like, like I said, try to find that balance, but at the same time, there's no way that they can, you know, kind of call the, uh, the aggressive game plan that, that game plans that they, that they have all year when they, when they had Carson on top. And, uh, hey, Jimmy, uh, it's Lee. Um, we're always you... friends on, like, Facebook or something like that, too. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, uh, I have your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I know we saw Alshon sh- uh, start off slow with um, Carson, uh, and yeah. he's also started off really slow with Nick Foles. Do you expect them to have uh, a better chemistry going into this game? I don't at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd set the over-under on Alshon Jeffrey catches at 2.5. I really don't think he's going to be much of a factor at all in the playoffs with, with Nick Foles. And uh, the reason's pretty simple for me. I mean, his strength is not getting separation, and I think what Nick Foles needs to see to be comfortable throwing passes to receivers is he needs to see the receivers be open. I think that's kind of like where he had his success when he had that one really good season in 2013. Opposing defenses weren't really ready for that Chip Kelly offense. It's the one year that Chip Kelly's offense really you know, was kind of dominant, and then teams adapted. He couldn't stay ahead of the curve, and just saw the drop-off in 2014, and then the offense just completely fell off the map in 2015. So I think a lot of that had to do, you know, I think, you know, 
Chip Kelly's system and you know, the team's not being ready for the fast-paced offense had a lot to do with, with Nick Foles' success that season. I don't want to completely diminish what he did that year because I thought he actually played pretty well as well. But at the same time, you know, you look you look now at you know what 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 he's doing now, and um, talking about Alshon Jeffrey, um, you know, Carson Wentz is willing to fit passes into him. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz has a has so the NFL has what's called next-gen stats. It's run by the NFL, so they, they plot passes and, and all that kind of thing. And they determined that on 25-point-something percent of his passes, he tried to fit a ball into uh, a receiver that had less than one yard of separation. And that was the highest in the NFL. And it's by a pretty significant margin, too. So he was willing to make those tough throws to Alshon Jeffrey. And I don't think Nick Foles will be, and I don't think he should be either, because I don't think he can. Carson Wentz has a good arm strength, and Nick Foles does not. Well, Carson Wentz has uh, actually an underrated part of his game. I think is, is his accuracy. I think I think he's been a lot more accurate than he was in his rookie season, and he had confidence in how to fit those kind of balls into Alshon Jeffrey, and was able to. And also those those tight window throws, or you know those those back shoulder throws, and you know the contested catches that that they ask Jeffrey to make on occasion. You know, a lot of it's timing too. So it's it, it took a little while for for Wentz and, and Jeffrey to kind of get on the same page. It took weeks. I mean. Heading into the season, there was a lot of, um, I guess, uh, Mike Rowe had, had, you know, revealed that, uh, Jeffrey ran the wrong route at one point during training camp and, or I'm sorry, at one point during one of the preseason games. That was, you know, part of it not being on the same page, but also not being on the same page has to do with, like, with the timing that I talked about a minute ago. So, you know, if they don't have that timing, which I don't think they have, and then on top of that, Foles doesn't have the arm strength. Uh, nor the willingness to kind of fit balls in there. And I just don't think he's going to be very effective because getting separation is not a strength of his game. Talking with Jimmy Kamsky from phillyvoice.com. Jimmy, you know, you talked about the run game, and I think I'm one of those psychopaths that you're talking about that would love to see them run the ball 40 <laughs> times. Like, I, I sit yeah. here, that, that would, like, just make my day. I know it's not going to happen, but how about the idea of, making Jay Ajayi seem like the featured back. I mean, they held him out of the last game, played the other guys. Is this the week where we see the new starting running back for the Philadelphia Eagles? I think it is. Yeah, I think, um, well, they held him out of Week 17 when he was healthy. I mean, he's got a knee issue that he's had since he was back at Boise State. Right. And I think they've been mindful of that ever since they traded for him. He hasn't gotten any carries in any game, really, uh, so far this year. He's put up decent yardage in, in some of the games just because he rattled up, you know, put off big runs. But, um, yeah, I think they've been very mindful of, of what, what was ahead and what was ahead for them at the time was the playoffs. They think they were going to be in the playoffs in, what, week like 9, 10, somewhere around there. Again, <laughs> this kind of record that they had, they knew they were going to be in the playoffs. And when they made that trade, I think they were, you know, they, they were kind of, you know, easing him into the offense, make sure that he knows what he's doing in the offense and, and giving him carries here and there and keeping him, you know, keeping him, keeping him active. But at the same time, didn't want to push him, didn't want to aggravate that knee. And I think now's the time. So, now, especially at the time when you, when you have a backup quarterback that's playing like Saints, and uh, and you know you're you're going into the playoffs against a team with a smaller front, but actually it does a pretty good job. Uh, it's not a smaller front, so it's a smaller front seven that that does uh, actually a pretty good job against the run. But that's that's the guy that you need right now. That I think is the X factor is JHI. If he can have big games, then then they have a chance. All right, yeah, uh, I I completely agree. Ajayi needs to get going this week. I think that's the reason he was acquired. I think, uh, uh, granted, he was supposed to have Carson Wentz as quarterback, but um, it's he was required for this playoff run. They knew they couldn't get it done with Blunt and Clement and 
Smallwood, who has barely been active. But um, what do you think about Ertz this week? Uh, do you think uh, him, Aguilar, who do you think is going to be the main target for Coles? Uh, well, they play a, the, the Falcons play a lot of zone defense, like the like the Seahawks and the Chargers. You know, from that they kind of run that same Seattle system. And um, you know, they, they will there will be some man opportunities. I think if there's a guy that um, you know can get separation that I talked about previously, where you know Jeffrey can't. I think that's Aguilar, so I think Aguilar is going to be a big part of the game plan. Uh, I think Earth obviously is going to be a big part of the game plan. I don't trust, I don't, or I don't think the Eagles coaching staff should trust Foles' ability to, you know, sort of the outside to Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, especially because, well, first of all, it's a more difficult throw, and then also, you know, those those guys haven't gotten separation this year, whereas Earth and Aguilar have. Hertz doesn't have as good of a matchup, I don't think, in this game because you know, the Falcons linebackers are, you know, while maybe a little bit undersized, they're fast and they can stick with opposing tight ends and running backs. They're very good in coverage, particularly Deion Jones, who's, in my opinion, a star player in the NFL already. Yeah. Awesome player. So I think he's going to have um, you know, maybe a little tougher time getting open than he normally does, but he's going to be a big part of the game plan as well just because he has to be. And like I said, Nelson Aguilar is a guy that, that can get separation, can get open. Is a guy that you know Nick Foles can see open and throw him the football. So I think he'll be a big part of the game plan as well. You know, Jim, one of, one of the things that's been reported is there are signs hanging all over the Novacare complex about the Eagles being underdogs. I haven't seen those by the by, by the way. <laughs> I was I, I was that's what it's it's just you know so many people were fearful, and I I know that Andy was a great Andy Reid was a great coach here, but so many people were fearful that Doug Peterson was going to be an Andy Reid clone. It was going to be the same story. Well, if this is true about these signs being hung up as bulletin board material, that's not a Reed thing. Like that's that's the anti-Reed. Reed didn't want that kind of stuff. That's more of a Belichick. Not not calling Doug Belichick, but that's more of a Belichick type of move. Do you think that this team is really getting behind the idea of everybody wants to count us out, everybody wants to make us underdogs and disrespect us? Let's go out there and punch everybody in the mouth. I think that's a pretty common thing in football, really. I mean, um, use whatever you can to get motivated. They really shouldn't need any extra motivation because it's a playoff game, and they've just gone through a regular season where they were 13-3, and you know, they all know what, you know, kind of what happened when Carson went, went down to torn ACL. They, they know the, the, the drop-off in, in quarterback play is pretty drastic, and, you know, there, there should be really no, no added motivation for the game. But anything you get out of your uh, – anything any little extra you get out of a player – uh, the week of a playoff game, or in Eagles' case, two weeks of a playoff game, and yeah, I think you do it. I don't know that uh, Andy didn't necessarily do those kinds of things. I just don't think the coverage was as um, as Twitter friendly <laughs> then as it is as it is now. Uh, but yeah, I think I think certainly you know whenever uh, whenever you can get that extra you know that extra setup to a player to, to kind of want to show it in somebody's face who's kind of doubting you, then you do it. So, um, with this uh, Eagles defense, the Falcons, they love to run the ball. They're not the same team they were last year, but they still love to run the ball. Um, my opinion, the defensive ends are the biggest part of this game, uh, I'm, like outside of Jalen Mills covering Julio again. But uh, what do you think the Eagles defense has to do to make Atlanta one-dimensional and have a chance to take over this game? Well, they got to start the run. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> to make them one dimensional, you got to stop the run. And, 
And it's tough assignment because they have two really good running backs in Kevin Coleman and, and Devontae Freeman. And, um, yeah, they've done it all year. They may be tailed off a little bit toward the end of the year uh, in their run defense, but they're the number one run defense in the NFL, and that's for a reason. Cause they, they do a really good job stopping the run. <laughs> before the season began, I'll get this way. Before the season began, if you, like, ask anyone what's the strength of the Eagles team, you not necessarily you would, you know, you'd hear defensive line. Carson Wentz had the season that he had. He kind of became the defensive team. Now that he's gone, once again, clearly the defensive team is the defensive line. So those that's that's the unit that can really kind of turn this game, in my opinion. If those guys can can make big plays up front, get you know stops for loss of yardage, which uh, Jim Schwartz loves, then get you know get the offense behind the six, get after the passer and the passing and in, in the, um, the pass rush, maybe create a turnover here and there. That's a way that they can win this game. So you know, clearly. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Kimmy Jernigan, Vinny Perry, Derek Barnett, Chris Long, Bo Allen. Those guys have to be at the top of their game because if they have a chance of winning, those guys have to dominate the top front. Talk with Jimmy Kamsky from phillyvoice.com. Jimmy, you know, the dreaded term around Philadelphia the last three weeks has been uh, the double move. Uh, the double move has been, has been a term that is just keeping Eagles fans up at night. And Doug kind of brushed it off after it was asked, I think, a couple weeks ago. And he said, wow, that's just the game plan that those teams run. Not everybody does that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm i not a huge – I'm not like this big football X and O's guy. But if you want to put a double move into your playbook, it's probably not the most difficult thing in the world to do. How concerned are you for these corners in that double move situation this week? Yeah, the two teams that really burned them with that were the Giants and the, and the Raiders. And – um both of those teams run what's really kind of like a quick strike offense where they want to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands in less than two seconds. So the Giants with Eli Manning and the Raiders with Derek Carr, both those quarterbacks on average, I don't know what their numbers were off the top of the head. Actually, again, that's one of the, another one of those, those NFL quote unquote next gen stats, you know, time to throw from, from snap, you know, the time from snap to throw. And, you know, both of those guys were among the, uh, league leaders, if that's what you call it. I don't know if it's, you know, it's really more style than op- style of offense than, you know, leading the league or and something or whatever. But they, they were, they got the ball very quickly. So, you know, their passing games are predicated on those quick plants, quick outs, very quick throws. What happens when you kind of prepare for that all week, you, you're kind of trained to you know, be aggressive and go after, and go after those short passes. Whereas with the Falcons, uh, Matt Ryan's, not to throw, I think, 2.72, if I saw this week correctly. Um, so that's actually the exact same snap to throw time as Carson Wentz. And, you know, we we all know that Carson Wentz did not get the ball very quickly this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was able to extend plays and, and, you know, make plays outside the pocket. And he was willing to kind of hang in the pocket and, and you know, take shots as he was throwing. So he was not a guy that was, that resembled anything close to what the Raiders and the and the Giants run. They're playing a different kind of offense here. So I don't know that the that the slant and go and double moves and all that kind of thing are, are going to really be, um, you know, kind of something that that will burn the Eagles' offense just because of the style of offense that the Falcons run. It's more of a drop back, you know, let drop develop down the field and get rid of the ball. So I don't think the Eagles' cornerbacks are going to be kind of you know, twitchy in terms of you know, getting after those short passes and, and kind of getting burned when, when they do run those double moves. You don't know how happy I <laughs> yeah. am to hear that. 
because these quick passes limit our pass rush like crazy, and that's the key to the game to me. That pass rush, you have to get to Matt Ryan. Uh, you cannot allow them to abuse our corners like they've been getting abused by the Giants, Raiders, and who started the whole thing last year, in my opinion, was uh, Aaron Rodgers on Monday night. Uh, it, it was it was just incredible. I like. <laughs> The pass rush needs to be able to get there, and if they're quick passing us, these corners are going to get abused. Well, yeah, that's the other side of that, too. When we can talk about them, you know, taking two, Matt Ryan taking 2.72 on average, seconds on average to, to get the ball out. And yeah, the pass rush will get, they, they absolutely will get their opportunity to get after him. And I think that was a big part of their success when they played him last, last year in 2016. Yeah. You know, Jim, you. Danell Ellerby, it seemed like, was going to become the, the, the middle linebacker now with Joe Walker on IR, and obviously Hicks has been out for the season. But I know he's he's been banged up at practice this week. I, I don't know if he's been back yet. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are talking, do they do, they do their, their hybrid system with Malcolm Jenkins this week? Do they bring him down a little bit more into the box? How do you see them playing that situation, say, if Ellerby can't go? Ellerby's going to go. Okay. I wouldn't worry about that. but um. Uh, and they need him to go because the Falcons run a lot of sets where uh, a, a linebacker will come off the field when when the opposing offense is in three wide receiver sets. So Falcons run a lot of things with, with a fullback, and they run a lot of two tight end sets too. So those are sets where typically you're going to have three linebackers on the field, and so they'll need him. And you know, he's not the best guy in coverage, so there may be opportunities for the Falcons to kind of get you know, a guy like Kevin Coleman, for example, lined up on him, or Austin Hooper on him. I think we would like to try to avoid that. But, uh, yeah, he's the guy that's probably going to play more snaps than, than we're accustomed to him seeing. All right, so uh, there's this uh, stat that I want to bring up to you, and I want to see if you think the Eagles can win with it. Uh, if Nick Foles goes 25 of 36 for 231 and zero touchdowns with a fumble loss, can the Eagles win this game? <laughs> I bring that up because that is Carson Wentz's stat line. That is Carson Wentz's stat line from last year against the Falcons. We're reaching right now, Jim. We're reaching right now. Yeah, they can win the game with it. I mean, Lewis is not horrible. How many, did, did you say how many picks he had? He had no picks. He had uh, a fumble loss and no TDs. Yeah, I mean, they can win that way, sure. I mean, as long as, as, long as Nick Foles isn't god-awful, and yeah, they have a chance. You know, Jim, what what do the Eagles as a whole have to do? I, I get the feeling that you're a little you're a little uneasy about Sorry, this game for the say, Eagles. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're a little uneasy about this game for the Eagles. Uh, but if if you had to pinpoint something, both like one major thing offense, one major thing defense, the Eagles have to do this week to win the game. What do you think that would be? Uh, well, defensively, they got to get after the passer, not to be, you know, not to just like a, you know, easy, you know, <laughs> getting after the passer is a good idea in any game. But they, they really, I mean, really, the defensive line has to dominate. They, they, they have an opportunity with, you know, the Falcons' offensive line, who have two guards that aren't that just aren't good. They're just, they're just really, their tackles are okay. Their center's really good. Their guards are terrible. So they really have to take advantage of that matchup. And it's not like, so everyone who watched the Falcons-Rams game last week saw Aaron Donald just destroy that left that, that left guard. That's not going to happen um, the same way with the Eagles. The Eagles have you know two talented defensive tackles. They're not going to beat 
um, you know, the way that Falcon guard was getting just beaten like a rented mule all day, the way Aaron Donald can. It'll be it'll look different, um, with the, you know, the way that the Eagles defensive tackles play, but they have to dominate those guys. They really just have to take advantage of those two guards. And if you're the Falcons, if you're a Falcons fan, you're looking at this game. That's the one way that I think they think, oh, we're going to lose because of those. If, if, there's, if there are any pessimistic Falcons fans heading into this game, they're going to go, well, those guards. <laughs> you know, like I, I fear that our guards are going to are going to just, you know, completely just get destroyed by the Eagles' defensive line. So that's one matchup that they really have to take advantage of uh, offensively. I mean, not to just go right back to the trenches again, but. You know, they got to, they're going to be facing pack boxes all day in the run game, and they got to figure out ways to open up holes anyway. And, you know, I think it's kind of uh, a given that they have to give Nick Foles great protection, and they've pretty much given good protection to their quarterback all year long. They have to give him great protection this week because without it, he's just going to be doing that thing where he just drifts back. And then he throws off his back foot oh five yards God, the back deeper than where he should be in the pocket. So like, oh. I, I think that's uh, kind of a given that, that, the, that the offensive line really has to pass the pick well. And then, and then also, you know, open up holes in the run game. And they should. I mean, they, they have two first-team all-pros in, in Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. And they have another guy who made the Pro Bowl in Brandon Brooks. They have another guy in Stephen Wisniewski who's had a great season, uh, kind of out of the blue. Vitae's a little bit of a concern. But, you know, on the whole, that offensive line is really good, and they got to step up. All right, Jim, I'm, I'm afraid to ask because I've just gotten this feeling that what you're going to say to this question might might upset <laughs> Lee and I and, and many of the Philadelphia <laughs> yeah. faithful. But how do you see I'm this game playing out? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already checked them. I put out my pick sheet today. I picked them. And what is your Sorry. reasoning behind that, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles can and should win. In the trenches, and I think that's you know a big part of winning any game. But for me, just the, the difference in quality of quarterback between the Falcons and the Eagles is drastic, and I think that's going to be really difficult for the Eagles to overcome. Well, Jimmy Kempsky, you, you, you do a hell of a job covering the team. <laughs> I got to get rid. No, I'm just kidding. But my, 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 my apologies for, uh, for the for the sobering uh, prognosis. That that's that's quite all right. They can win this game. Um, they're at home. They're they were before the meaningless Week 17 game. They were seven and zero at home. They won two games at the end of the season last year at home. So they've won nine in a row at home. Tough place to play. It's gonna be cold. It's a dome team coming in. I think it's not gonna be that cold, but it'll be. You know, cold it's dropping. Too, but it's I mean, supposed to drop. Whatever. I mean, I mean <laughs> there are any number of ways they can win this game, but again, just the, the, the difference in quarterback, man, is like. Astronomical. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's really not good. There's no, there's no joke. It's, it's no joke whatsoever. But listen, you, you do a great job. You're one of the best guys covering this team, this city, and we really uh, appreciate you taking a few minutes, spending some time with us tonight. We'd love to talk to you again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. And outside of his prognostication, which we're just going to completely gloss over because I don't want to pay attention no damn negative talk about this team right we're now. I don't want to hear. Game, Rob. <laughs> I know. We are winning. This I'm not. Game. I'm not. I'm not going negative. I have been so damn positive. And for those people that know me, know I am not a positive person. But I am so damn positive about this game. But some interesting things. First of all, he thinks that their linebackers, Atlanta, can match up with Earth. They're they're faster linebackers. Yeah, I completely forgot about Deion Jones. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I don't know. I did, I did the same thing you did, and. 
And what that means is I'm hoping Doug gets creative in ways to get the ball. Put Trey Burton in the game. Yeah, go double tight end sets. I mean, really, if you're good, if you if you're going to run the ball the way you should, you have double tight end sets, but you have some pass options off of all that stuff. You know, I mean, I yeah. I think that's the way. It look, I know it's tough to change everything you've done this late in the season, but it's also tough to win without your starting quarterback. And listen, you know, I coach basketball, high school basketball, and we, and we have a team this year that's different than what we normally coach. And I went to the head coach after we got beat by 37 points in our second game. It was just at home. It was not what we're used to. And I sent him an email. I said, we have to be unconventional. I said, we have to do things you don't normally do, that teams don't normally do to be successful for us to be successful. Doug's got to do that. And I, and I hope to God he spent the last three weeks. And I say three weeks because it really was after the Raiders game where – and I do – you said it earlier – he was vanilla in that Dallas game. That was a vanilla offense. There was nothing oh, yeah. special, nothing sexy going on there. So I'm hoping that there was game planning happening behind the scenes at that point. They got to be different this week. They do. They, they have to be completely different. They have to play to their strengths. Their strengths are their, their tight ends. As much as Trey Burton has not been used, he is a strength on this team. He's a good number two tight end. Not many teams have a player like Trey Burton, and it's going to be a shame when he leaves next year. It is, because there's no way that they could sign him, and you're not going to franchise him or do anything like that, so it's you know it's one of those things where it's unfortunate, but you know, that's, that's the way this game, this uh, the NFL goes. So, let's us talk about the game plan. With the game plan that we look at to say why we feel so positive. I say you got to run the ball 25 plus times. Not just because of that stat. That was kind of the number in my head if you if you run what sixty plays in a game, sixty five plays in a game, I think you got to have at least twenty five runs. I look at it and say, go back to West Coast offense. Yeah, short passes, quick. Let Nick get the ball out of his hands. Now, my my one issue with Foles throwing is he tends to wait until a receiver makes his break mm-hmm. to throw the ball. Where Carson or really good quarterbacks in this league throw their receiver into the break. That ball is thrown before that guy ever turns around for the ball. That's what makes Tom Brady so good, Aaron Rodgers. That's what these guys have been doing for years and years and years. I don't think he has the confidence to do that. <sighs> and, you know, I, I, I had hoped that even though it was against a team that they care, I hope when he came out against the Giants the way he did that, maybe, maybe it was him. Okay, now I remember saying, all right, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Now I just got to get this defense back on track, but I'm okay with that. And I'm sitting there in that blistering cold on Christmas night. My daughter's sick at home, and I'm at the Eagles game feeling like a degenerate father because I'm not there with her. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell's going on? Because it was just the same. And maybe you bring it – maybe they were vanilla that night too. Maybe their thought process was – They don't want to show anybody anything. Yeah, we can can find a way to win this game without showing anything. And, man, it was – Freaking scary, but yeah. But at the same time, it was freezing that night. Freezing. I I sat down there. I was like, oh my god, it was freezing. I wanted to get out of there so bad, but I'm not leaving the game that matters like that. No, you you can. I mean, and and it was it even though it was a terrible game, it was fun to see them kick a game winning field goal. It was fun to watch Derek Barnett get a touchdown. It was beautiful. All, all, all of that was fun, and to hear the stadium chanting and, and and singing the fight song as people are leaving, as you're walking out, everybody's singing the fight song, and knowing that the NFC had to come through the link at that point, which it had been, you know, 13 years since that was the case, 12, 13 years since that was the case. 
Um, but what do you, what do you, is there anything else in the game plan that you want to see from the offensive side of the ball from, from Dougie P? Screens. Yeah. Because they have very fast, like you said, Deion Jones, very fast linebacker. Vic Beasley is great off the edge. We're not talking about him enough. No. But at the same time, why would we when Lane Johnson has shut down every single person that's been put in front of Speaking us? Speaking of that, did you see when that stat came out that the, the defensive end from the 49ers, the only guy who's gotten a sack on Lane Johnson right <laughs> here, tweeted something out, something about can't stop the goat or something. It was one of the greatest tweets <laughs> from a no-name guy I've ever seen. It was fantastic. But that, I digress, but keep going. Yeah, um, I'm not worried about Adrian Claiborne. He had six sacks in the Dallas game and finished with nine and a half on the season. Yeah. He faced a backup left tackle. Granted, Vitae's a backup left tackle, but he's been the least serviceable. Mm-hmm. And um, Wisniewski's going to be fine. I think that's going to be huge. I don't think enough be, people are talking yes, about getting him it's back. It's going to be big. Because Sayamalu and, uh, you know, I, I know we both had hope for Warmack. We talked about that when they first signed him. They just haven't nah. haven't got there. But Wisniewski was playing such good football before he got hurt. It makes you wonder why he didn't play last year. They didn't give him that opportunity last year. And I thought he was going to walk because of that. Because mm-hmm. he, he started his first six years in the right, league. Right. And he just comes in and he's a backup. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean – yeah, Jimmy brought that up. I mean, the Eagles' offensive line has been great all year for Carson. Really, even though Nick hasn't played well, you haven't seen a ton of pressure on Nick mm-hmm. uh, against Oakland more. So, I, I look, I, I know we Khalil wanted – Khalil Mack did nothing. Yeah, Khalil <laughs> Mack did nothing. But, like, I know we, we wanted Nick to play in the Dallas game. I know me and you literally had a good 20-minute battle with, with, with the Zomster on, on Twitter about whether or not to play him. But at the end of the day, I don't take much out of that game. That was more so I wanted them to get him back in there to see if he could get some confidence going, which he did not. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, ah, man, that you, that you really – you need – listen, the one adage that I love from Andy Reid is games are won in the trenches. And if that ever holds true, it's Saturday afternoon. It's The Eagles O-line and D-line have to be better than the Falcons O-line and D-line. I'm running right all day. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right behind – Lane Johnson, yeah. right behind Brandon Brooks, yep. right behind Jason Kelsey. Those are your three best guys. I'm running right behind them the whole time, and that's going to open up the play action, and that's where Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar can take over the middle of the field. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. I th- Man, you know, the, the, the offensive line has been talked about as a group a lot, but you haven't heard enough about Jason Kelsey's resurgence because here was a guy – who pe- we myself included was ready to say all right I think I think the times now we we got to make a switch everybody wanted to say Malu yeah everybody I'm, I'm really <laughs> glad we were wrong yeah <laughs> I'm really glad everyone last year right people get on on Brandon Brooks for for the, the anxiety, depression and the anxiety yeah. and all that and I've never gone through it but I've known people that have gone that that that's real stuff right there man and for that guy to battle back and say no you know I came here for a purpose. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I need to do. I I have nothing but respect for Brandon Brooks. I mean that's a serious serious thing. Yeah. I mean and the fact that it would be like and everyone's oh uh, it's that old oh well he he's making a million dollars. What's he got to be depressed about? Yeah, dude, it's so ridiculous. Like these guys at the end of the day, they're human beings. They are human beings. They are human beings. And that's what everybody's argument was about Zeke Elliott. Remember too, that's a different story. Don't <laughs> freaking give me that nonsense. But uh, yeah, so I mean from the offensive side, I think we're on this. I, look. I've, I've been preaching. I've and and here's my thing. I look at Doug Peterson this week, and this isn't a game. It's not a Mike Malarkey situation, right? It's not a hey, if you don't win, you're gone. That's not at all what I'm saying. 
But I think this game is so vital for the direction of his career. I really do. I If he could come out and make the proper adjustments and have this game plan where the Eagles can get 24, 27 points, I think you're seeing the birth of what could be the next great coach in the NFL. Because obviously, I, we can't say that yet. I mean, it's been a great year. It's been a lot better than we thought. As much of that was him, that was Carson. I mean, they, you yeah. know, NFL Network put the top ten Carson plays on oh the other my day, God. and it's I just so watched him. I know, I like it's it was so it was the most bittersweet watch. I'm like smiling and crying at the same time, I'm like it's freaking terrible. Um, so you know, but if he can make the game plans and win this playoff game with Nick Foles, I not that I don't care what happens next week, but it's this game. This is the game that I think takes his career could take his career to new heights. If it doesn't, I think these questions will surround him all offseason. Can he adjust, or is this where he's Andy, where he finds it tough for those in-game adjustments? He's made them this season. You look at the first, the first Dallas game, right? They couldn't do anything on offense. Came out, pounded the rock, did the right thing, didn't have a kicker going for two all these times, and they put up 30 unanswered points. But I, to me, you know, all the players are obviously, but this is for Doug. This this one's for Doug for me. This is the one where I got to see him and say, and even if they lose, but they they, they do well with, with the game plan, I'll still come out and say, I feel more comfortable with Doug Peterson right now than I did before the game. Yeah. Uh, this is this is his make or break moment for me, really. Um, it, you find out what he's really made of. If he can adjust, if he can uh, just win a game without Carson in this atmosphere uh, with everybody rooting against you. All that money is on Atlanta to win this game. Everybody is talking. If he can come out with a good game plan and beat this Falcons team, I, I'll officially believe in Doug Peterson because it's it's been Carson. It's been Carson all year. Right. We all know it. Uh, he's had a great coaching staff around him, and if he wins oh, yeah. this game, he may lose a couple of those guys. DeFlippo may go be a head – not a head coach, uh, an offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's the top I, I thought I thought Chicago was going to take the – I can't believe they went naggy, but – Yeah, that didn't make sense to you me. Know, you know what I think that is? I think that's Chicago looking at Doug Peterson and saying, hey, Doug was the offensive coordinator on the Andy. He's got a 13-3 team in year two. He's also got a quarterback who could be generational. You know, he's got that generational talent quarterback. I mean, that plays into it. But, you know – he could lose him, but I'm, I'm starting to hear, I've heard a bunch of people report, Schwartz is going nowhere now, uh, that that the Giants were kind of the make or break, but they seem locked in on Patricia now and going that, which, by the way, speaking of that, the only reason that's working, he must have told them who he wants as his offensive coordinator, and they love the pick, because I can't imagine a team that struggled offensively like the Giants did taking a defensive guy unless he's got a good offensive mind coming in. And his defense was not that good no, at the start wasn't. of the season. They were getting shredded. Mm-hmm. They, they were shredded by Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That first game of the season. it was. I went to bed. It was like a one-point game. <laughs> I remember that. But, um, so, yeah, so I think we're in agreement. I, to me, I don't think Nick Foles is the most important player. I don't think he has to be. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. If he is, if it comes down to Nick Foles, the Eagles lose the game. It's that simple. He's not the guy – that's going to win you the game. This isn't Nick Foles in a new offense like Chip Kelly's that no one's seen throwing seven touchdown passes against the Raiders. It's not that guy. But I will say this for Nick Foles. Now, when he was here three years ago, I, I bought in. I did. I was I was suckered into this guy, and I was like, man. And when he came out the next season and he wasn't playing well, I kept throwing this argument. 
And this is kind of what's been the back of my head going these playoffs. The guy just finds ways to win. He, he, doesn't, may not, he, he doesn't lose often. No. I mean, you think about that last year. Before he got hurt, that team was 6-2, and two, something like that. Before he goes down in Houston and Sanchez has to come in and all hell broke loose from that point on. And, and I think back to games like the Washington game that year where he gets decked when he's not in a play and it starts the whole bench-clearing brawl and yeah. Peters gets thrown out. Chris but, Baker. But what does he do? He throws, he throws touchdowns at the end of that game to win. I mean, the, the guy is not a great quarterback. And he stressed the imagination. He's not going to win you games. But I feel like he does enough where he's not going to lose you the game. I agree. Either. I agree. Like the Raiders, he was terrible against the Raiders. But he didn't lose you the game. He threw one pass that could have lost you the game. Oh, he got away with it. It was yeah, a bad pass. But after that, it was just incompletions. Mm-hmm. And I know that that sounds crazy. But in my opinion, freezing cold game like that, that was one of the games where I kind of criticized Doug. Mm-hmm. Run the ball. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You didn't do it. You got caught in pass, pass, pass because he goes away from it too quick sometimes. He's one of those coaches, right? Oh, I only got two yards or three yards here. Andy. Yeah, it's Andy. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's that's the mentor coming out in him. But I've seen differences in him, and I want to believe in those <laughs> differences this week. And I think you do too. Yeah. Um, I, I just I don't I don't know. <laughs> I really I really don't know what to expect, but I, I know he's going to come out with a great first drive. That's that's the Andy ritual. Mm-hmm. Always coming out with a great scripted first drive, and it's just building on that. If the defense can get a good stop after that first drive, it, this game could get go in our favor very very quickly. Well, I think that's key. And I was I was talking about that with uh, my other coaches today after practice. We're sitting there talking about the Eagles, and we said this is a game where you cannot fall behind. There there can't no. be a seven nothing. Okay, there can't be a double digit deficit at any point. If, at any point. They could fall into a double-digit deficit. I'm willing to say you could probably leave because the outcome is already decided. I know that's terrible to say. And I'm not going to leave. I'm no, not no, no. going to we'll leave. leave. We will not leave. But I will then be like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but if they could come out, first of all, I want them to win the toss. <laughs> I want them to defer. I want them to go stop the Falcons three and out, go down the field and score. If that's the way the beginning of this game plays out, Get ready to watch your birds in the NFC Championship. Yeah, I want the opposite. I want them to. You want to get the ball? I want them to take the ball. Yeah. Go straight down the field and put the pressure right back on Atlanta. I just, I, just think, I don't think Matty Ice is going to be good in ice cold weather. Yeah, I mean, it, it, see, I'm thinking, I always loved them deferring mm-hmm. with Carson Wentz because it was okay. Defense comes out, they get a stop. Carson's going down and scoring a touchdown. Yes. You just knew that. Yeah. And then you thought to yourself. All right, and we're going to get the ball to start the second half. So, yeah. so things are really going to look up for us. Maybe it's a little bit different. But my thought is if the first half is just kind of this back and forth, feeling each other out, and it's a field goal game, um, you know, 10-7, something like that, if the Eagles can get the ball to come out the second half and go down and do something, that could be crucial too. But I just mentioned field goals because, in my opinion, the two kickers in this game could be the MVPs for this game. For this game. Oh, I hate that. You want to know how bad you were? You didn't happen to be in Tampa uh, in 2008, were you? No. Because I was. Yeah. And let me tell you, <laughs> it was the worst friggin' feeling I have ever had in my life. From the time that, who was it? Was it Jerome McDougal kicked the damn flag mm-hmm. to get a 15-yard penalty to put them in the 62-yard field goal range? I turned around because there were guys behind me. And they were like, are you kidding? It doesn't matter. Guys, we're going to win. You know, it's, it's, everything's great. 
And I turned to them and I said, you've been Eagles fans for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, we've seen crazier things. And from the time we were on the side, so you couldn't see it, but when he kicked that football, you could just – I was I watched the fans behind the goalpost, and you could see that they were in an uproar. They knew that thing was good. This guy has haunted me. Yeah. For nine years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's haunted me. But field goal kickers could be the guys. I mean, I mean, they really could be the guys, and I hope Jake Elliott's ready. Oh, he's yeah, ready. Right. Yeah, as long as it's not a short field goal. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> Have you ever seen anything like this? No. The guy is money from fifty plus. You get him inside thirty, and I gotta, I gotta sweat it out. It's like <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Defensive side. Yeah. What do you think Schwartz dials up? I, I think he's gonna, he's gonna rely on the, the defensive ends. He yeah. has to because. The Falcons love uh, – one of the things they came out with um, – I was watching uh, the game again, the wild card game. They like to go to a bunch, and they like to go to a weak side toss. Okay. And they like to go to tosses and uh, outside zone runs, period. Mm-hmm. They actually only had four first down or four 10-yard runs up the middle all season. All season. They don't That's go up the middle. Yeah. Why would they, though? Their, their center, their guards are not very good. Right. Like Jim was saying. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, it, to me, it comes down to containing these tosses, containing these outside runs, and forcing them back inside where Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan are going to be waiting for them. Make them one-dimensional. I think Ronald Darby can lock up Mohamed Sanu. He's much faster. He's a better athlete. Um, and Julio Jones, that's that, he scares me, but they're really not like going to him as much as they should be. Yeah, I mean... I've been very curious with how they've used Julio this year, and, and I, I don't know if it's that he's not getting open, but to me, Julio's one of those other one of those guys like Alshon. He gets the yards. He gets the yards. You throw him the football even if he's not open. Let let him make the catch. Guy guy is unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, it does scare me that uh, that right side of uh, McLeod and Mills with mm-hmm. Julio there. I, I would rather Darby probably, but yeah, you you think they're um you think Sidney Jones dresses? Yeah. I do. Do you think he plays, or do you think he's more dressed as, as as a body in case of an injury, and and you got to throw him in there? It's a curious situation. If they play him, it would probably be in the nickel. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see them playing him in the nickel with Patrick Robinson there. Right. And I, you know, it was one of those things where I really did want him to play against Dallas. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that they put Joe Walker on IR, and I don't know if his injury was actually IR worthy. I think this was one of those. Hey, oh yeah, you're. To me, you're hurt now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what they did was they hurt their linebacking. I mean, you were you were thin to begin with. Very. Hence the signing of Danell Ellerby late in the year. Now it's Danell Ellerby, Kendricks, Bradham, and what good are you? Are you, and then is Nate, Nate Jerry going to have to dra- address? Nate Jerry. I mean, Jesus, this guy was a safety last year in Nebraska. Like, I I don't want him playing against Devontae Freeman or having to go out and <laughs> cover Tevin Coleman. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. Ever. So. Jim Schwartz is one of those guys who I've had a love-hate relationship over two years. Mm-hmm. I've loved him a lot of this year, obviously. He's been blitzing this year. He blitzed a lot this year. Last year was my problem with him. He never yes. blitzed. Yes. Well, going into the year, I forget what guest I had on. That was my question for him. I said, can we expect – it might have been Sean Brace. I might have been talking with him because he was Great a guy, guy. I talked – yeah, he was a guy I Great talked guy. to uh, before – like that was my NFC East preview show. And I said, are we going to see 
a Jim Schwartz who blitzes this year. And and him and a couple other guys that I talked to all said, you saw it as the year went on the previous year that he started to a little bit. And he has. You're right. I mean, there's been games where he's called all-out blitzes. I know it, it burned him in Seattle, but I love the call. I yeah. mean, they gave him a touchdown on it, but I thought it was the right call. Against Dallas last week, now it was a bunch of backups. He went with an all-out blitz. They you know, got him on a slant play to Williams, and it is what it is. And that's all they did. That was a second-team defense. It. That now, was a second-team defense. We, can, we, can we have a little five-minute Dallas bashing session? Because I, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do in the <laughs> I world. I love it, too. Dak Prescott is an average quarterback in this league. Yeah. You talk about a guy that played over his head last year. And I was I was someone who wanted to say no, you guys are crazy. Dak Dak's fine. He's a good. He's he's he was not good this year. And I don't want to hear it was because of Ezekiel Elliott because nope. he had Zeke the last two or three games, and it still wasn't good. No. And uh, Des Bryant is the most overrated oh God. wide receiver in the NFL. And Cole Beasley is now a rapper. I was going to say now Cole Beasley's a rapper, and that was I, their most ex- most explosive thing all season. Now I haven't was heard it. Becoming a rapper. I haven't heard it, but Twitter is loving this song. There are people saying they really wanted to hate it, but it's actually not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> You've heard it, it yeah. It's not that Damn. bad. Well, you know, I guess uh, he should probably thank Howard Eskin. It probably got him all riled up when Howard went after him. Yeah. Which, you know, Howard's one of those guys that rubs rubs you the wrong way a lot. I thought that was fantastic, his little banter with it. Cole Beast. That I was outstanding. It gave me a newfound respect. It really did. The <laughs> fact that he went after him. Now, you know, people bring up, don't forget when Buddy was here, Howard was the biggest Cowboys fan there was, and he was because he hated Buddy Ryan, so that was the whole reason behind it. But, yeah, I, that Dallas team, you know, I don't want to hear, oh, they'll be back next year with Zeke. I don't think they will. I, I really don't. I don't see this team getting better. I see this team digressing. Mm-hmm. I saw the offensive line not be nearly – I said it before the season. I said, you know, everyone's saying that they're going to be able to plug in the two guys for the, the others that left. It doesn't work that way. No. And I don't, I don't think – is it um who's a kid from LSU that ended up not getting drafted and they picked up Collins? Laramie Tunzel? No, 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 no. Oh, L- uh, Lyle Collins. Lyle Collins, yeah. He he hasn't been as great as I think as people had hoped he was going to be. Mm. Um, obviously on the other side, I, I can't think of his name. The guy that was hurt against Atlanta, Tyron Smith. Yeah, he, guy can play, no doubt about it. But I'm yeah. telling you, they have major problems, and it starts with their head coach. Who they just it's like a, he's he's yeah he's going to be Marvin Lewis Jr. He's just <laughs> never going to get fired. Oh my god, that would be great. And I think the reason is, and I have I have sat on these airwaves and I have called Jerry Jones the scum of the earth, the biggest disgrace of any human being there is. I I hate old bag of bones. I hate everything about Jerry Jones because I think that he stands for everything that's wrong with the world, which is paying people off. Using his money to get out of bad situations. Mm-hmm. Um, he never punishes guys the way they go back to Leon Lett and Michael Irvin and all the crap that they did. There was never any punishment. He said, oh, I'm trying to help them. You were harboring criminals and things of that nature. But he loves Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett is his little puppet. Mm-hmm. Jason, he tells Jason to jump. Jason says how high. There, There is no good coach-owner relationship. And for a while, I thought that's what Doug Peterson was going to be, but He's proved otherwise. I mean, I think Doug's got Doug, – Doug with a little Belichick this week in his He was really stubborn. In, in his <laughs> press yes. conference. He was getting annoyed. Those guys were stunned. I, you could tell that all I, – I meant to ask Jim about that because they, those guys were absolutely stunned. They got hit with the Belichick responses Yeah, uh, from Doug. But um, 
Well, let's before we get to the mailbag here, because we're starting to run low on time. But before we get to the mailbag, I'll be out all night. Uh, hey, I'll be out <laughs> all night too. Tomorrow is Friday, I, and I am giving quizzes, so it's it's a, it's a vocab quiz day in the, in in Mr. Lange's, uh English class. So that's always a good thing. But um, let's look at this game. Let's you know give a little breakdown of how you see it going down, and give me a final score. <laughs> I see us stopping the run. I really do. I, I see Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman not doing much. And once they don't do much, I think Matt Ryan throws the game away. I don't know who's going to be the, the lucky recipient of a Matt Ryan pick six, but uh, I think somebody is. And um, I think the offense is going to do just enough to get it done. Zach Ertz is going to have a good game. Nelson Aguilar is going to have a good game. When they're in the red zone, I expect Jeffrey to get a jump ball. I, it, it hasn't been done this year. We haven't seen it. Well, Carson threw a couple, but we haven't seen that that fade that uh, Alshon specializes in, that he made all these spectacular plays doing. And I see Jay Ajay just running wild um, straight up the middle. So what, what, what do we got? What, what, what's your score here? I got I got to hear it. I got to hear this one. 24-13, birds. 24-13, birds. I like it. Yeah, I like it. So, I look at it this way. I think the Eagles score over twenty points, they win this game. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. That's that's the way I look at this. If, if you can get over twenty points, I think you're going to win this game because I think the defense will keep them in that seventeen to twenty range. They've only given up an average of what fourteen at home yeah, all 15, season. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And yeah. and you think Denver scored twenty one points, but fourteen of those came when the score was fifty something <laughs> to seven. So I mean, I don't know how much you count. There was a lot of, oh, by the way, touchdowns they gave up. That number would have been lower. Yeah. I, I see, just like you, I, I don't think Freeman and Coleman get off. I, I think they really, they bunker down on that run. Matt Ryan will pass for a good amount of yards. He'll get over 200, 250. I mean, he's going to pass for some yards. I don't know if he'll throw a touchdown, but I do know he's going to throw a pick or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually think he, he ends up throwing two in this game. I think he throws one. Mid midway and then one. If the game's late, the Eagles could be up two scores, and 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 he throws you know a late one and then and then that seals it. I think I think Nick Foles does enough. I don't think he you know I, I he's not gonna play great, mm-hmm. but he's gonna he's, like gonna you play. Say, he's not gonna win yeah. you the game. He's not gonna win you the game, but he's gonna do what he needs to do. I see Jay Ajayi with twenty carries on his own. He should I, I, I mean I I really. I look at this as okay. You held him out last week for a reason. You're you're going to give him the ball. I see him with twenty. I see probably five for Blunt, four for Clement. Mm-hmm. Talk about twenty nine carries, but I see them getting Clement the ball out of the backfield a little bit too. And I see Eagles put twenty four points on the board. And I think it's going to be. I, I've been really back and forth. Am I going to make it a one score game, two score game, that sort of thing? But I. I I think it's going to be a 24-20 game. I think it's going to be a situation where where the, where the Eagles are up four. There's a minute and a half on the clock. Matty Ice has the ball. And somebody, it would be poetic justice, in my opinion, if it was Malcolm Jenkins, ices the game with a pick. And I say that because I, I, I came – I said a, a couple months back, I said, you know, obviously there will never, ever be another Brian Dawkins. But after he left, we, we yearned, we begged. We suffered. We suffered and begged for some difference maker, some leader in that defensive backfield. And I don't think now, now so maybe, but at the time, I don't think people were giving Malcolm Jenkins a credit for what he does for this defense Not from a from, from a leadership angle. And the other guy, 
Chris Long, who has come in and just talk about one of the best citizens you can ask for. Yep. But he's just been a tremendous team leader. But Malcolm Jenkins, I, I would love to see him get the pick to send this team to the NFC Championship game. And I am so confident that out of the four games that I'll predict, this is my stone cold lock. This is my lock of the week. I, I, I have not a doubt in Over my New mind. England. Yeah. Whew. And I mean, granted, yeah, I think New England's going to win the game and win, <laughs> win it going away. But I, I am just so confident that this team is going to win this game. I don't know how that makes me feel. <laughs> like, I don't know if that makes me more nervous than me, that I am so confident. I don't know. But I, I am. I really do feel that like this is a lock. And I agree. I have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, who should be the kick returner? Should you stick with Kenyon Barner? Should you give Wendell Smallwood uh, a little bit of an opportunity? Because Barner hasn't been really anything in this return game, and it, it, we really need it. Yeah, you know, it's – Barner hasn't been the, – the return game has been really bad, really bad. Once, once Sproles went out and everything else, it, it's just gotten worse and worse. I man. Man, it's a tough – my question is, is Smallwood sat out too long for him to be able to do anything? I mean, they listen, I had heard before they signed the Jai, I had Teron, or Teron Davenport had tweeted out when he, that he was a healthy scratch in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fallen out of favor. I don't um, like him as a running back. I, I, I never I, did. Yeah. It was one of the reasons why I was so happy when they signed Blunt, because I didn't want to go into the year with just Smallwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, and Clement at the time, because I didn't know what Clement was. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I would stick – I mean, God, I hate it. I, I really don't want to have this issue again where we don't have a kick returner, but it. let's, let's face it, it's happening. I mean, that's, that's our issue. But they're probably going to stick with Barn. I don't, I, I don't think they're going to change it. I, I don't think you want to mess with something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Clement's back there too. I don't know if they can do something where they switch it where Clement returns the kick and, and Barner's the secondary guy. I don't I – don't, see, I don't, that's where I don't know how it all works. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to put it. But uh, all right, so let's we uh, we introduced a couple weeks ago, Lee, this TSJ mailbag. All right, so people tweet the show at TSJ Madness, and they use the hashtag hashtag TSJ Madness mailbag, and we were able to finally get a good amount of questions coming in from friends and people from all over. One is one of my show's biggest followers. He's, he's my cousin. One of the you know he's twenty one years old, but the kid's like thirty five. Like he's just awesome. Like he knows his, he's known his sports since he was ten years old. And basically, I said, I opened it up to everything, sports, non-sports. I eliminated politics because I knew I'd get too heated if we started talking Ooh. politics on here. Yeah. So I said, we're not going to do that, but music would have. trying to grow a fan base. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I want to grow. I don't want to lose anybody before I become someone. So uh, he, he tweets from at FKins23, and the first question he asked me, and I'll let you answer first, and I'll give my take. He said, what are your guys' thoughts on Landon Collins' comments about Bill Belichick and the fact that he's too strict and wouldn't want to play for him. <laughs> I think that's a completely soft answer from Landon Collins. Um, uh, we were talking before the show, and you were saying Nick Saban. He, he comes from the Nick Saban uh, coach. Uh, he played for Saban at Bama. Sorry. Uh-huh. And um, seeing what that team was without a strict coach this year with, with that that. Whatever, whatever you want to call him, almost the Eagles coach. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a doozy. But I've uh, I've resurfaced tweets that I put and said, "Hey, anybody other than Peterson, man, I was a jackass back then. I was I was a jackass back right then. there with you. <laughs> I, I, I was right there with you. I forget who I wanted. 
I, I even wanted Deuce Staley at one point. <laughs> Give Deuce Staley a shot. I did not want Doug Peterson. No, I don't I think was, any of us did. Yeah, it was bad. But, um, yeah, that team ran wild this year. They had players suspended multiple times. And to say that you don't want a strict coach, you just want to be on that losing team again. Obviously. <laughs> It just doesn't make sense to me. Take take the strict out of it. He's won five championships. The guy you said you didn't like playing for, Saban, he's won six national titles. It's 11 championships. They're two of the greatest football minds. You're a loser with that mentality. That's a loser's mentality. And I took a beating from people on Twitter about that this week. People hated that I had that. It's a loser's mentality. It, there's it there's no way around and it. And it says everything you need to know about the 2-14 and 14, or what did the did they end up two and fourteen? They win the last game. I can't even remember. I think they're two and fourteen. Two and fourteen Giants. So, all right. Next guy comes from at John Monroe Jr. And I'm going to ask you this question, but I, I almost feel like it's a violation. What position group would you upgrade via draft, and what player do you want most in this upcoming NFL draft? Is this a violation while the team's still playing? Can we answer this? Are we allowed to talk about the off season before the off season? Out of respect for John, <laughs> I love the guy. He's a great guy. He's great, great guy. guy. Um. I'm gonna. I'll answer it. Linebacker, and yeah. my reasoning behind linebacker. I want Ro- Roquan. We all Smith. want Roquan Smith. It's <laughs> not gonna happen. He's going top ten unless something happens like it happened this year with uh, Bama's back at uh, Ruben Foster. Yes. It, unless something like that happens, Roquan Smith is not going to uh-huh. be there. But I want. Uh, I want a linebacker because Bradham's going to be very, very hard to keep. We don't have the money right now. Uh, we could possibly make the money, but Brad was going to be hard to keep. Kendricks is always a question with his health, yeah. with his hamstrings, with Absolutely. his quads. Uh, Hicks is a question with his health. He's had one healthy year since his junior year at Texas. Mm-hmm. You need a linebacker. I, I get it. We need to protect Carson, especially coming off of this injury. But linebacker is huge for this defense, and uh, th- that's my number one need. Well, as I just said to you, I think they're thin at linebacker as it is now. I don't know if Joe Walker's the answer. Uh, I love Hicks, but you said it. He's hurt all the time, and, and I feel bad for the kid, but is, is he just going to be – is that going to be his career? Is he going to be an injury-prone guy? I agree that linebacker's a position. You know, if you if you wanted to look at another position, it probably wouldn't hurt to get another tackle. Oh, no, uh, definitely uh, not. You know, just because – I don't know if Vitae's the answer, and Peter's coming off another one of these tough injuries. I mean, he's been – He's a Hall of Famer. He's been one of the best linemen we've had since the Trey Thomas. He's John a warrior. Runyon. He's an absolute warrior. You love everything about this. This is a guy that tore his Achilles and then tore his Achilles the following offseason and then came back and still was a Pro Bowl player. I mean, he's just been a incredible. Hall of yeah. He's, he's, a, just, Hall of he's a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, uh, so I think that would be the other position I would look at. But I think we're all in the Roquan Smith uh, bandwagon. It's just not going to happen. I also like, not right away, obviously, this running back class. Is so deep. They're better than last year's, I think. So yeah, yeah. They, they First said, of all, you go to I, go to Georgia. Just go to one school. They got two guys that are going to be incredible in the NFL. Yeah, and one of them, Nick Chubb. I, I respect Matt Miller. That's my favorite draft guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have Chubb in his top ten running backs. Yeah, he doesn't have Bo Scarborough in his top ten running backs. I'll t- I'll take either one. <laughs> Fourth, fifth round. <laughs> yeah. Easily. I'll t- I'll take Nick Chubb. I don't care if they have to overshoot for him and. and have him in a in a committee with with a Jai for because remember you have a Jai under contract for another year but are you going to want to pay him when that's up I mean you you hope so you hope he does what you expect him to do but you never know with this knee thing it could pop back up he's never had a knee injury in the NFL though no he that, hasn't it, he's that's been very that's crazy he's all these knee problems 
Never had an injury in the NFL. It's crazy how that is. It's <laughs> unbelievable. All right, here's an interesting one. I don't know if you saw this, but this comes from at hockey underscore writer. Thoughts on Leas Anderson throwing his medal to a fan. Now, I think this is the World Juniors, uh, the gold medal game. Sweden lost. Now, they don't lose often, apparently. And the guy got his – first of all, he tried to grab the medal from the guy who puts it on. And he said, no, 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 I got to put it on your neck. He put it on, and he took it right off and apparently tossed it. It was a silver medal, and he tossed it into the fans. And uh, I know a lot of people are getting grief about it. The guy wanted to win. He wanted to win gold. He didn't want a silver medal. I have no issue with what he did. I am completely oblivious to this. <laughs> like, I have no idea what this is. But uh, if he wanted to win that bad and throw the medal away, <laughs> who's to stop him? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's 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 move forward here. We have at Connor Boris, and this we kind of talked about. Do you think even with missing the final three games of the regular season, Carson Wentz should be considered for NFL MVP? Considered, yes. I totally understand them not giving it to him. I I mean, he absolutely, in my opinion, should be the second-place guy. He won't be. He'll be the third-place guy because, like I think both of us said, Brady will probably get it, then Gurley, and then him. Uh, but, yeah, consider it absolutely. Alshon Jeffrey said it before the season, before any of us even knew He really it. did. He really did. He said that Carson Wentz is going to be an MVP. But he – he would be the MVP. If he played 16 games, he's the MVP. There's no question yeah, no, about you couldn't, it. You couldn't have taken, especially with the fact that Brady didn't light the world on fire those last three games after Wentz got hurt. So I think he do five picks in the last yeah, couple Yeah, so, games. I mean, if Wentz was in there for all 16, I think it was his award. I said that after the um, – what game was it? Who they beat before Seattle? Whoever they beat before Seattle, that's why I said it was his award to lose at, at that point. All right, at uh, – let's see. Shamiel Hughes. Yes. What do you think will be the Eagles' biggest challenge versus the Atlanta Falcons on on Saturday? It's a tough one. Nick Foles. Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> like you, I don't want to. Steal don't be your, negative. No. I, don't, I don't want to steal your answer <laughs> with Doug Peterson, but it's gonna. It's Doug Peterson. Yeah, I, I, I think Doug Peterson's gonna be the biggest challenge, and the, to me, the biggest challenge has to have something happen before it, and that's if Atlanta gets the lead. If Atlanta gets the lead, the biggest challenge will be how do the Eagles not only come back, tie a game, but take the lead. Yep. I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. So we're just rambling through these. We got at NASCAR guy 10, Nate Webster says, since Carson Wentz is out on the DL and Nick Foles is in the QB slot, do you think Foles will A, get sacked more than once, B, throw two or more picks, or C, neither? A. He's yeah. going to get sacked more than once. Yeah, I, I think he gets he sacked. He holds the ball way yeah, too long. I agree. Totally agree. The sacks are coming, no doubt about it. Wow, we're, all right, here we go. A little Phillies question. I haven't, I haven't seen one of these in months. I'm a D-backs fan. I, I know you are. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know how that happens, but we'll let it go. This is from at Alex underscore Peters 20. What do you think is going to be the Phillies' biggest concern with the current club? The fact that they're just not ready yet. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a certain position with the Phillies. I just look at this team. I don't think the pitching is there yet. No. In in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I look, I like Aaron Nola. He's a nice guy. I've heard Mike Missinelli say this for the last two years, and I agree. He's a nice three. Mm-hmm. He's not an ace of the staff. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still going to need that. And I like the Santana pickup just because it's a bat and all that kind of stuff. I didn't get that. I, it I, didn't I, make I, sense to me. But like Reese Hoskins Well, because there. it looks like what their plan is is to move him into the outfield. Hoskins? They had worked him out in the in the minors before he came up a lot in mm-hmm. the outfield. 
And what this does is it means that I don't have to watch Tommy Joseph play in here. How great of a player Tommy Joseph is. Nice guy. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I wish the best for him, but I don't need to watch him anymore. Mm-hmm. It was a little intriguing, but that's that's Matt, Cl- Matt Klentak. That's the analytics. There was something that was telling them, hey, this is the guy that you know, we want to go out and get. But we'll see how it works what out. What about Franco? What do you think is going to happen with him? I am very close. There, there's two guys on this team that people love that I hate. I, I don't hate Michael Franco. I just think he's a bit of a head case, a bit of one of these young guy mental midgets. When one thing goes wrong, it's a domino effect. Like a double. I hate Oduble. <laughs> I hate everything about Oduble Herrera. I don't care if he bats 500. I hate him. He is the laziest piece of you-know-what I've ever – I mean, I can't tell you how many times I watched him jog around the bases or – Make a base running mistake that you stop in thirteen year old baseball. You He's should a not be making. Poor man, Yasiel Puig. Yes, a very poor man, Yasiel Puig. I can't stand a Herrera. Everyone's like, "Well, the outfield said I said no. Get rid of Herrera. Get rid of him. And bring me somebody else. I don't care. Let him go. Move somebody to center field and sign one of the big names next year and put him out there. I don't care. I'll take Bryce Harper and all his damn annex. I don't, for four hundred fifty million. I really don't care about it. I would do it. Might be able to get him. Which I, I, it looks I, like he's going to the Yankees. <laughs> the Yankees, and I know a guy that me and you both know, uh, Kyle. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, he's. I actually, I hated the Yankees prior to having class with him. Now I really hate the yeah. Yankees. I, yeah. It has really made me hate. My the two Yankees. roommates are Yankees fans. <laughs> I have no problem with the Yankees, but when I talk to Kyle, <laughs> I hate the nuts. Yankees. It drives me nuts. He I'm surprised me, he's not walking around here tonight. He told me Aaron Judge was on the same level as Mike Trout, and that's like that I, makes me that yeah, makes it, me angry. Yeah, Mike Trout's my sick. guy. Mike yeah. Trout's my guy. All right, here's one from, I think you remember this guy, at Mark Williams Jr. from over there at TSJ Sports, one of my favorite guys. Best NFL running back duo of all time. Now, I'm going to throw one out there just because I remember it from Tecmo Bowl. Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. Yeah, I really don't think. I mean, that that one one was pretty damn good. Um, You know, they weren't the best, but they were the – I just remember loving them as a young kid. Neil Smith and Christian Okoye in, in Kansas, Kansas City. City yeah. uh, the Nigerian nightmare, as Berman used to call them. Like, those guys just used to run super, super hard. But see, for me, like, when you say history, I'm 33 years old. Like, I don't, my history doesn't go back that far. Like, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm 27. And, so. Yeah, and the only reason I know Bo and Marcus Allen is because I played Tecmo Bowl so many damn days growing up that I always played with them. So that was that. Um, at, what's this? This is Logan Price at Logue SS. Will Jay get limited amount of snaps this week because of knee injury? No. No. No, 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 no. His knee is fine. He's a Dolphins fan, right? I think, I, I think so. Or he just write about I think him? he writes about him, but, yeah, no. I, he could be. He might just be a hater right now. Hey, you got <laughs> I love, Kenyon. You I got, love Logan. No, yeah, he's a you, great guy. You, you got Kenyon Drake. You guys are doing a hell of a – he had a hell of an oh end of the God, year. Oh, my God, yeah. So, uh, all right, here we go. Here's an Atlanta guy. At underscore Malik ATL. What's your biggest concern heading into the games on Saturday? We've talked. For me, it's Doug. It's Doug. It's Doug. It's Doug. It's Doug. I don't have anything else. It's crazy that we're not saying Julio at all. I know, <laughs> and it should be. It but should be. We, we don't even have to say his last name. Right. It's Julio. <laughs> here's here's a question. I guarantee we don't know the answer to. This is at Ted. I can't say the whole name, but that's okay. What is Eagles' record when they rush the ball at least thirty times this season? Have they rushed the ball thirty times this season? Maybe if, if they against had against the Chargers? If, if, if they had, it had to be one of those games I feel like they were up big and they were just running, 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 running. Um, They rushed the ball 30 times this game. I'm going to call them 1-0. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good to me. 
Uh, this one we answered. This comes from at never underscore failures. Oh, I lost it. There it goes. It says, if needed, can Nick Foles carry this team against the Falcons? I don't think he can. I think if it's up to him, they're going to lose this game. He can't carry them, no. But he can leave the field with a uh, <laughs> a little lead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at Daniel F. Calvo 29, covers Eagles for TSJ Sports, says, should Doug Peterson let Nick Foles play freely on Saturday, or should Doug limit Foles' throwing attempts? I, uh, I wouldn't limit him, but I would come up with a game plan that plays to his strengths. Yeah, I mean, I want to limit him, although when I, when I think of how many throws I want him to throw, I want it to be in the 20s, not the 30s. I'd like to see it cap out at 27. Yeah, 25, something, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I'd be totally okay with that. What scares me with Foles the most, and we I didn't bring this up earlier, but uh, he tends to look down at, or, like, stare at his receivers and mm-hmm. misses open guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, the play that frustrated me the most last week was probably with Torrey Smith running a curl route. He had probably 10 yards of separation. And Nick Foles, for some reason, steps up in the pocket, starts to run, and then throws the ball in the dirt in front of him. Yeah. And it was the most McNabb-esque play <laughs> that you can have. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Here's one. I don't know if you're a hockey guy, Lee, but uh, at Tristan Eicher, did the Flyers set themselves back uh, too far with the losing streak earlier this year? Yes. Yeah, I, I think they set themselves back. Before the – look, this team hasn't won anything in 30 years. They haven't. And they got – 2010 was a hell of a run. It was a lot of fun. To me, that was a, an opportunity missed. I think they really had an opportunity to win that series. They do – it's the same story every year. Mm-hmm. It's the same story. It's hot, cold, hot, cold. And I said to somebody the other day, I said, if they're hot at the end of the season, they make a little run in the playoffs. If they're cold, they don't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round. It's the same story my entire life. And – that fan base drives me nuts because they never turn. They never turn negative on like the the diehards. Like I'm, I, I am a Flyers fan, but I'm not a diehard. I'm not in for all eighty two. Yep, same. They never go negative, and they have to. They have to. You got to say something. I don't think this Hackstall guy can cut it, but nope. once again, I'm not. A, I'm not a hockey guy as much. So every year, it's who's going to be the goalie too. <laughs> Ron Hextel, you're the damn GM. Get us a goalie. <laughs> like you were the last time we had a goalie. We said we have a goalie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. All right, here we go. At ESPN bound underscore Boland, when the Eagles win on Sunday, when? I love it. What player will give the Eagles a spark of production that we don't normally get? Well, from this year, it's going to be J.H.I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm totally, we are in agreement with that one. Um, last question, and I know this one will, will spark interest in you because uh, we talked about this during the week. From at FKins23, ask us again, what will it take? For you to call for Nate Sudfeld. (laughs) Oh, man, people are going to get on me for this. (laughs) I was actually impressed with Sudfeld running with the second-team offense against a number eight overall defense in the NFL a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I know he doesn't have the time with the guys, but they I think they made a good decision keeping him on the roster, keeping him away from the Colts who tried to claim him because they – the kid looks good. Yeah. The kid did lead the Big Ten in passing a couple years ago. Had a little mobility to him. Took off yeah. on that nice long run there in that game. Absolutely. He threw an absolute dime to Marcus Johnson on the sideline. Uh-huh. It was called back, but yeah. Yeah. So it'll take two to three interceptions before halftime from Nick Foles. And uh, 
ten nothing lead from the yeah. Falcons to do that for me. Yeah, for me, it, it's the scoreboard. It's a double digit, and and Nick Foles has just not done anything to the offense. If they're shut out in the first half, it's got to be like abysmal, that. though. It's it does be. because you don't want to just throw this kid to the wolves. No, no. I mean, not that he's going to be the quarterback here, because obviously Carson is young too, and he's our prodigy and our ginger Jesus and whatever other name we come up for him. My hero. I don't know. You know, I told my wife. I said, listen, I hope you're not jealous, but I have a full-on man crush for Carson Wentz. Like, I just love this guy. He's awesome. <laughs> he, he's fantastic. So, all right. So, with that, we're going to we're gonna start wrapping up here. Let me just, real quick, as we're doing that. Patriots, you have beating Tennessee? Easily. Yeah. Pittsburgh and Jacksonville? Jacksonville. Do you really? Yes. You think they go Damn. into Heinz Field twice and do it? Yes. Because of that wow. defense is that good. They picked Roethlisberger off five times last time. I know wow. Roethlisberger's going to be mad. I don't think... A.B. is completely healthy, and I think Jalen Ramsey can lock him up. I just – and do you hear what Le'Veon Bell said today? He might retire if they franchise tag him again. He's not happy there. No, he's not. I, I, I said that at the beginning of the year. I thought that would end up being a problem somewhere. They got to pay that guy. He's probably the best running back in the NFL. Uh, all right. I mean, as many problems as there are, I, I, I think from for the last few weeks I've said it, for the last couple months most people said it, this – the AFC's coming down to Pittsburgh and New England. I got Pittsburgh traveling to New England. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I would it hate it. I would, I would absolutely love hate it. For Jacksonville I, to I would it. love it. I would <laughs> love for Jacksonville to win, but I think Pittsburgh would do it. Saints and Minnesota. It's tough. Last time the Saints played Minnesota, Sam Bradford shredded them in week one. Yeah. Case Saints. Keenum's not going to do that. No, Saints are a different team, too. But at the same time. That defense has gotten better. Yeah, they, they, they've had some down games, but for the most part, they've gotten. They've been decent, so yeah, it's tough for me. It's in Minnesota, but I really, I really think the Saints are going to pull it off. It's Drew Brees; he has the playoff experience. Case Keenum does not, uh, and as much as Pat Shermer can script plays, uh, that's who I wanted instead yeah. of Doug Peterson. Yes. By the way, yeah, I wanted Pat Shermer, but um, if he can script these plays up for Keenum, then maybe. But Keenum's not going to win you a game. Just like Foles isn't going to win you a game. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Keenum would have to win them the game against New Orleans. I think New Orleans is the best team in the NFC on paper right now, offense, defense, special teams. I think they're going to go in. I think there's too much hype around this Minnesota team and playing the Super Bowl in their home field. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think the Saints win that game. So there it is. I mean, there's no reason to watch the games, right? Me and you <laughs> say New Orleans in Philly next week, NFC Championship game. Lee, it's been a lot of fun, man. I hope we can do this again at some point. Anytime so, as long there. as you're for the John guys will lend you to me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, that tailgate is going to be awesome, by the way. Get I know you're not going to make it, uh, but the F1 so. lot, Wells Fargo, right between Xfinity uh, and Wells Fargo, Fourth and John tailgate is going to be amazing this week. This the, Our fan base is going to be so pumped for this, this game. It's going to be incredible. I cannot wait. Well, with that, yes, I do have to miss the tailgate. I'm going to the game, okay? I'm going to the game. Don't... We'll see you next week. I'll be there next week. If, if Listen, I'm putting it out there. I'm telling you. I'm putting it on Twitter. I'm tagging E-Rock. If they win, I'm showing my face. And I'm frightened to show my face because I see what you do to newcomers over there. And I'm I, listen. You know, I'm getting older now. I'm 33. You know, I'm I'm, I'm starting to hit my my little James. I never heard anybody. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> I beg to differ. But uh, but I will be there. I will be there for the NFC Championship game. I will be back next week. We will do another show. We will be previewing the wonderful NFC Championship in Philadelphia. Keep tweeting us at TSJ Madness. 
Hashtag TSJ man, this mailbag. Lee, been real, man. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Hey, as always, have a great week. Embrace the madness. Go, birds. I'm stronger than they think.